step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the podcast. Both Texas and California are trying to keep their high-speed rail plans on the fast track, but are being slowed down. We'll tell you how. Recline your airplane seat or not to. It is a controversy that we will talk about. And New York City has made room for another rideshare company. And we'll tell you who. I'm Rod Morrison. I'm Nancy Shack. And we all are accidental passengers. Hundreds and hundreds of Texans who don't want their, who oppose this Texas high-speed rail project. They don't want Washington to give them eminent domain to seize their land without their consent. Let me tell you, big projects are hard. They're hard. They always have been hard. There are still dreams for high-speed rail in this country, and the biggest dreams come from two of the biggest states, Texas and California. And if the backers of those dreams have their way, the two states could see bullet trains by the end of the decade or shortly thereafter. But that is if they have their way, and they don't. In the Lone Star State, Texas Central is the private company that is behind the plan to put a bullet train between Houston and Dallas, making the trip in just 90 minutes. The company expects to break ground later this year with a completion date of 2026. Once everything is in place, trains will leave every 30 minutes from each end of the route, and the price will be less than an airline ticket between the two cities. Texas Central has even shown what the interior of those trains will look like and point out the loss of that troublesome middle seat that you see on planes. This is all fine and dandy until you get to the part of where the route will travel. This is where everything goes south for the dream. Like in California, large tracts of land are needed to be taken to make way for the new rail line. And standing in the way are many angry Texans who do not want to part with their farmland. Leading the opposition is Congressman Kevin Brady, who will go all the way to Washington to put the kibosh on the rail plan and save Texans the money which he believes they will eventually have to pay to save the idea. Congressman Brady. I think we just shocked the state. Hundreds and hundreds of Texans who don't want their, who oppose this Texas high-speed rail project. They don't want Washington to give them eminent domain to seize their land without their consent. And they don't want taxpayers to be on the hook uh, when this uh, uh, proposal goes flat. And so here were federal, state, and local officials, along with our landowners, saying no to this high-speed rail project. Yeah, so right now, uh, the high-speed rail, are they're trying to bypass Texas and trying to get power out of Washington to seize people's lands without their consent. Uh, they want the power to start construction. They, they don't even have the right-of-way. Uh, and ultimately, I think they're going to come for taxpayer loans, subsidized loans. And so they're trying to bypass the state 
we're trying to stop. We stopped them once in Washington four years ago. We believe we'll stop them again this year and return this to a Texas project, which at that point, I think it's over. The project's budget has ballooned, but the train company says that they will seek federal loans as opposed to state ones if needed. They are also confident that they can successfully work with landowners by stating the train line will be mostly elevated so as not to disturb the ground below. A year after its governor declared high-speed rail dead, California is moving ahead with its high-speed rail plans. As we last left the Golden State's project, a smaller plan was in place to only have the tracks between Bakersfield and Mercer. They have amassed a funding shortage in the billions and became the owners of a lot of land that they may or may not use. The project, though, is moving onward, and now California is on the clock to lay 119 miles of track in the next two years, or forfeit $3.5 billion, won from the Obama administration. Plus, the price tag went up another billion because the completion date of linking the Silicon Valley with the Central Valley got pushed back 18 months. The dream is still to connect San Francisco with Los Angeles in the next decade. With all this going against the high-speed rail route, you would think that there is no one left to support it. Not so. Enter Congressman Jim Costa, who went to a job site to announce a new piece of legislation that could solve some of the troubled route's problems. In the announcement, he spoke of a harsh reality of projects like this. Congressman Costa. Let me tell you, big projects are hard. They're hard. They always have been hard. Whether we're talking about the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge, in which there were hundreds of lawsuits that attempted to prevent the construction of the Golden Gate and the Bay Bridge, or we're talking about the big dig in Boston, are the water systems here in California in the 50s and the 60s. Big projects are always hard. They're hard politically and they're hard for other reasons. And that's why we all have to come together to support uh, the boldness and the dreams and the vision. His creation, the High Speed Rail Corridor Development Act of 2020, allocates $32 billion for federally designated high-speed rail corridors. The aim of that bill is to ensure California's original plan becomes a reality. But as long as it doesn't need President Trump's signature, the bill may have a chance. The president, like many local politicians in California, thinks the plan is one giant boondoggle. And the feds are looking for nearly a billion dollars of its funding back. So in both states, money, land, and an uncertain future cloud the dream of a fast train. The slower, hopefully stressless mode of rail transportation still prevails. Hi, it's Nancy Shack. Do you travel by air? I usually do. And my boss this week at the radio station where I work had a rather unpleasant experience, ending what would have been a really pleasant long weekend trip. He says the crew on his plane mostly had a very sour disposition, as did quite a number of his fellow passengers. And his observations started me wondering, has civility and common courtesy completely fled modern air travel? All you need to do is look at recent headlines to see the answer is yes for both the aircrew and the passengers. 
American Airlines was actually in the headlines a couple times this past week. The first story is about a CEO who tried to give up his first-class seat to one of his employees. One passenger got a surprise upgraded gift from her CEO, and she was very excited to experience American Airlines first class. However, the flight attendant had different ideas, claiming her seat switch was a security issue and that Adrian Chance needed to move back to the main cabin. The story began like this. Mrs. Chance was traveling on American Airlines with a group of work colleagues. Her boss was an executive platinum member. He was traveling in first class while the rest of the group were seated back in coach. He was feeling rather generous that day and Mrs. Chance's boss insisted that she take his seat in first class for the entire flight. She got herself settled in and it was about an hour into the flight when the first class flight attendant called her by her CEO's name. So Mrs. Chance corrected her, letting her know that actually I'm Adrian and this is where the problem began. According to Adrian, the flight attendant advised her that switching seats was a security issue and that she had to move back into the main cabin. And she didn't ask her discreetly or politely either. Mrs. Chance describes the flight attendant as brash, non-discreet, and insinuating that she was trying to pull something or take advantage of the situation. Not wanting to be a troublemaker or, you know, be embarrassed any further, Mrs. Chance moved into the main cabin as she was instructed. Now, her boss tried to change the flight attendant's mind, but it didn't work. Chalking it down to experience, Mrs. Chance attempted to move on and enjoy the rest of her flight. However, the crew wasn't done yet. According to Mrs. Chance, a member of the crew approached her near the end of the flight, requesting her full name and seat number before telling her rather menacingly that she was going to file a report. Mrs. Chance, by the way, used to work for Southwest Airlines. She was kind of stunned by the whole experience. Even her boss took to Twitter to back her up. Now, do you find any of this situation bizarre? Since when can't you change seats? Last year, a man gave an elderly lady his seat on a Virgin Atlantic flight. He was lauded by the airlines. In fact, they started a promotional campaign hailing his actions and instigating a free upgrade program. Now, American Airlines eventually did apologize to Mrs. Chance and said it's not their policy to treat passengers like that. They promised her that they're going to use her report to improve the coaching and training of staff, and they've given both Mrs. Chance and her boss 10,000 miles by way of compensation. Does that seem like a good response to you? Another story from this past week, also involving American Airlines, but this time shows a passenger running amok over a reclining seat. It's no secret that airlines have been shrinking seat sizes on airplanes for years in the endless quest to cram more bodies onto each flight. Between 2000 and 2017, the space between a seat and the seat in front of it decreased on an average of four inches across all airlines. As a result, reclining your seat has become an affront on someone else's personal space. Last spring, Delta Airlines, acknowledging that reclining is just adding insult to injury, announced that on 62 of its planes, those that tend to fly shorter routes where you're less likely to sleep were going to have vastly limited seat reclination. That figure constitute a little less than 10% of Delta's fleet. Right now, they're kind of testing to see how customers react, but it could help solve one of modern airplanes' worst designed features, the reclining seat. But Delta is only one airline. American Airlines does not have any similar policy. If you were anywhere near social media this past month, then you have probably seen 
the video of a man punching the back of another passenger seat on an American Airlines flight. In the video, the unidentified man smacks away at the seat of the woman in front of him because she reclined, he says, spilling his drink in the process. This is the post, though, from the woman who reclined her seat. She says, her name is Wendy, Wendy Williams. She says, here's a great jackhole. He was angry that I reclined my seat and punched it about nine times hard, at which point I began videoing him and he resigned to this behavior. The other jackhole is the American Airlines flight attendant who reprimanded me and offered him rum. Williams is now threatening to sue American Airlines for her trip from hell, where her seat was repeatedly pummeled by the backseat boxer on the 90-minute flight from New Orleans to Charlotte. She claims the flight attendant threatened to remove her from the plane for being a disruptive passenger after she complained. She also says she never did spill the man's drink. The incident has gotten so big, it now has its own name, Recline Williams is also demanding that the seat back boxer come forward so she can sue him as well as the airline. Here's a hint. I think if you want somebody to identify them, I wouldn't threaten to sue them. This whole incident has renewed the age-old debate to recline or not to recline. Recliners insist that since they paid for the seat, they're damn well going to recline it if they want to. While non-recliners virtuously hold that reclining is obnoxious and imposes on the passenger behind you's personal space. What are you? And what's the answer to this dilemma? How about a King Solomon-like proposal? No one gets to recline. Getting rid of reclining seats in economy class, at least, will level the playing field. It's one less stress to face. Never again will someone eating, drinking, or trying to use their laptop be worried about the seat in front of them coming back and spilling their stuff. Recliners who argue that they paid for their space will always have the same space. Either get rid of the recline or just pre-recline all seats. When the variable is removed, the fighting should go away. What do you think? Is this a good decision? Let me know. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how you can get in touch with us, and I want to know where you come down on the issue. Move over Lyft and Uber. There is a new ride share in town. Actually, it is in New York City. It's called Mile. That's M Y L E. The founder is a 20 year vet of the Big Apple's taxi wars, and he aims to be less expensive than the other two. Miles says, on average, a ride in one of their cars will be 10% less. Plus, there are no hidden fees, there is no dreaded surge pricing, and there is no cancellation fee until the driver shows up at your door. The new rideshare is boasting 5,000 drivers already, and its app allows you to choose up to six types of vehicles, including wheelchair accessibles, SUV, and the standard four-seater, and will let you pre-schedule a ride as well. Despite the cheap fares, drivers will enjoy a bigger percentage of the ride cost, and it is expected they will have less downtime, which means more work and more money. Last year, a rideshare company called Juno had many of the same claims, but it could only gather a paltry 21,000 rides. That's about 3% of app-based rides in New York City. Mile hopes it has enough fuel to stay in the game. 
You can check out our Accidental Passengers Facebook page. There you will get transit stories not covered on the podcast. And you can even leave a comment and tell us how we're doing or give us a story idea. We upload every Monday. I'm Rob Morrison. I'm Nancy Shack. And we all are Accidental Passengers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.